Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you are visiting with us tonight, uh, again, we welcome you. If you would be open your Bibles to Luke, the fourth chapter. When Andrew announced that last song and it said 536, 7 and 8, 9, I thought, wow, we got a new songbook with 53,000 pages in it. Uh, I was looking forward to the rest of those songs. Isn't it wonderful? Sunday evenings, beautiful time of singing, wonderful time of worship, a wonderful way to close each Lord's Day. Uh, what a blessing Sunday evening worship services are. They've, they've got to be uh, my favorite time of the week. It is said that anyone will pass by and let anyone pass who knows where they're going. Do you know what your purpose is in life? Can you see down the road a few years? If you're younger, can you see down the road a few decades? Can you see at least what you want to become and what you want to do for the Lord and for His kingdom? Can you see the example that you want to leave for your family? Can you see the spirituality that you want to grow in your life and help grow in the lives of those about you? When we think about our life and we think about what we can become, do we realize that that never happens by accident? Have you ever thought about what Jesus accomplished while He was on this earth? Do you realize that most of what we read about the life of Jesus He accomplished in just three years? His public ministry was only three years long. He probably accomplished more in that public ministry than what many of us will accomplish in a lifetime. How could He accomplish so much in just three years? I suggest to you that tonight we'll look at a few passages that will show us that Jesus saw very clearly what His purpose on this earth was. And He made a lot of decisions. And He even made, as we'll see tonight, some tough decisions. Because He wanted to fulfill His purpose. Not simply because He wanted to go about doing good. If your vision is for a year, plant wheat. If your vision is for ten years, plant pine trees. If your vision is for a lifetime, plant people. If your vision is for an eternity, plant God in the lives of people. What's your vision? What do you hope to accomplish in your life? Not for your glory, but for God's glory. What can you grow into? What can you accomplish? All for God's glory, so that because you lived, the population in heaven will be greater. When we look in Luke the fourth chapter, I'd like to remind you of just pack a page in your Bible in Luke the second chapter. You remember when Jesus was only 12 years old and his parents found him? Look in Luke the second chapter in verse 49. It's 906 on your pew Bibles. When his parents found him, he says to them, Luke 2 and 49, Why did you seek me? Did you know not that I must be about my father's business? Even at the age of 12, he realized that he had a business that he was about. He had a focus of what he wanted to accomplish day in and day out. And so as we come throughout his public ministry, we now scan over some things in the fourth chapter. Do you remember when he came to verse 16? In the fourth chapter, he was entering into Nazareth. It was there that his own people would not accept him. They had heard of the miracles and they would heard of the powerful teachings. But all they could remember was, hey, this was the young man that was Joseph's son, the carpenter's son that grew up here. And they grow so angry at him that 
his farewell out of Nazareth is that they lead him to the side of a hill ready to throw him off to kill him. It's his own home people. Now question, would he give up? Would he become discouraged and stop because some people turned against him? Now, we know the answer to that is no, but I want to ask you for just a moment, why? Do you think that the reason he was able to continue onward even when things were tough, when people were discouraging, do you think that maybe the reason he was able to continue is because he could see a vision of what he wanted to accomplish? Absolutely, and we'll see that later in this same chapter. He cast out some demons later in this same chapter, and we come down to verse 38, and he goes into Peter's house. Now he arose from the synagogue, and he entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and served them. We see something here about the nature of Peter's mother-in-law. She probably had been hindered from being able to do what she wanted to do because of this fever. Notice when the fever is rebuked by Jesus, immediately now she's up doing what she was unable to do previously. She's up serving them. She had something that she wanted to accomplish in her life. And Jesus helped her accomplish that. But notice how there's a constant leaning upon Jesus. Even among the apostles, Jesus, can you help my mother-in-law? Well, what is this going to provoke? Read the next few verses with me and try to imagine this. If, if you need to close your eyes, whatever you need to do to make this real, because the more real you can make it in your mind, the more pronounced the very teaching is going to be perhaps in our life. Notice in verse 40, picture this. When the sun was setting, let's pause there for just a moment. What do you want to be doing when the sun is setting? When you've been out teaching and preaching and healing people all day long, casting out demons, trying to get people to change their life, and you've been doing that all day long, and you see the sun start setting over the hill, what do you want to do? Continue working? Not many of us would say that. But notice how Jesus' evening unfolds here. When the sun was setting all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he rebuked them and did not allow them to speak for they knew he was the Christ. Let's pause there for a moment just to help us paint a picture. Can you imagine how many people must have been there? None of the Gospels tell us that. None of us tell, none of them tell us exactly what the ailments were. But can you imagine, maybe a leper came up. Maybe a mother came carrying her infant that no one else has been able to help. Maybe a man came up with his teenage son that He'd been having to carry this son all of his life. Maybe like another story, maybe there were four or more carrying someone else that they had carried this neighbor. Maybe there was an older person that had struggled with some kind of disease for many months or many years or maybe all of their life. But can you imagine Jesus looking out of the house there and just seeing people coming in all directions? Because how fast would word spread? 
if you had an ailment, perhaps even a terminal ailment, and you were healed and you were able to run back to everybody you knew and you were able to tell them, Jesus did it and He's down in Simon Peter's house. Can you imagine how everybody comes out and Jesus works, no doubt, deep into the evening. How did He accomplish that? Maybe one way He was able to continue when some of us would find other things to do. Notice what He did as we go in the beginning of 42. Now, when it was day, He departed and went into a deserted place. And when He says day there, I'm going to drop back and read you an account out of Mark the first chapter. Mark the first chapter in verse 35 says... Now in the morning, this is the same account, just another passage. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. You see, when we put these two gospel accounts together, what we see is that Jesus worked deep, probably into the night, healing all of these people with various diseases, but yet then he turns around and the scripture says that he is up a good while before daylight so that he can leave the house, so that he can go out into a solitary place, and there he can pray. How did he have the strength to go deep into the night? Someone says, I bet he slept in late the next morning. No. Can you imagine he found the strength to carry on by getting up way before daylight and going out and praying? You know, the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. What kind of strength really comes from individuals that set aside time to pray? Even if it means getting up before everybody gets up, or even if it means going to where no one else is. I want to remind you of two stories. And if you want to be turning, look to Mark the ninth chapter. Mark the ninth chapter, we see a tremendous story after the transfiguration. You remember the transfiguration we sometimes call a mountaintop experience. But when he comes off of the mountain and down into the valley... There he meets up with a man that has a son. He's been, in verse 18, foaming at the mouth, gnashing with his teeth. He becomes rigid. But notice at the end of verse 18, this is Mark the ninth chapter, at the end of 18. He says, this is what the man is telling Jesus. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Here are men following Jesus' footsteps. They want to do good too. They want their life to be a benefit to the lives of others. And here's an individual that they want to help and they're unable to help him. Now, after Jesus heals this man's son, you can imagine the disappointment in the lives of the disciples. Have you ever tried to help someone? You desperately wanted to help. You could see the pain that they were in. But when you tried, you failed and you realized, I'm not capable of helping this person. They continue to hurt. You hurt. No doubt if someone else can come up beside you and help them, Obviously, we're going to ask, how did you do that? How could you do that? Notice as we read in verse 28 and 29, And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? He says to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Friends, how did Jesus accomplish so much in his life? One of the ways that he was, accomplished, he was able to accomplish so much is because he spent enough time in prayer. 
We have heard expressions like you cannot uh, give water from a dry well. Jesus regenerated his strength by finding time to spend alone with God. Look over to Luke, the 22nd chapter. Luke, the 22nd chapter. Jesus now is in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember, He has taken Peter, James, and John closer to the edge of the garden, and He has asked them to pray. Now, what are we discussing right now? We're discussing how prayer can strengthen us to do greater things. Now, here's another example of our fleshly nature where either one, we're tired, or two, we simply don't see the importance of prayer. And so when Jesus goes into the garden and He pulls such great strength from prayer and from petitioning God that He has enough strength to calmly go out and face Judas, the betrayer. But notice when He passes back by those and has to wake them up, look what He says in 46. Then He said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray. He's still asking them to pray. Why, Jesus? Lest you enter into temptation. Did they enter into temptation? All of them fled from them. None of them had the strength to stand calmly in peace and suffer for righteousness' sake like Jesus. And isn't it interesting that Jesus was the only one that we know of that took the time to go into a solitary place and pray. We too often are sleeping probably when we ought to be praying. With this in mind, we go back now to Luke the fourth chapter. We see a man, we see our Savior, we see the perfect example who has spent his time praying. He has served these people deep into the night. Now he's up early the next morning because he has to have enough strength to carry out this day. And he begins this day in prayer. And notice what might be a surprise to some of us. In 42, now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Now if you envisioned that as we were reading it, it's startling. If you failed to envision it, it's worth it for us to go back and get a grasp on what we've just read. If many came with sicknesses and diseases the night before and He helped them into the night, can you imagine all of those individuals that went back and they told all of their friends and all of their relatives that there was one that had healed them? Imagine now the crowd that is gathered outside that house the very next morning. What would you do for your child? What would you do for your spouse? What would you do for your parent? or for your own health. If you knew someone that could heal, how far would you travel? How quickly would you arrive? I want you to imagine, and we do not know this exact thing, but I want you to imagine this. And if you've been on any kind of medical mission trip, this is going to be much easier for you to imagine probably. 
We've seen the news spread throughout towns one day that doctors are in town. And the next morning, as the sun is rising, people start gathering. And after a few minutes of daylight, hundreds of people are there waiting in line. I want you to imagine folks standing around needing urgent physical care. I want you to imagine a mother holding her young. And she is so excited that she has finally heard of one that can heal. They're standing there. And they're asking Jesus. As a matter of fact, they hunted him down in his secluded place. And Jesus looks them in the eye and says, I'm not healing you, baby. I'm not healing you, grandfather. I'm not healing you because that's not my purpose on this earth. My purpose is to preach the kingdom throughout all Galilee. And today, I'm leaving this town. Could Jesus do that? Jesus' concerns were spiritual. They were not necessarily physical. Jesus' concern was to fulfill His mission. He knew what He came to accomplish. And not even good works would pull Him off His course. Friends, do you realize that some of us will probably never accomplish what God has designed for us to accomplish? Not because we live a wicked life, but because we live a busy life. Not because we're such great sinners, but because we cannot stay focused on our purpose for living. We get things, we get relationships, we get busy. And we forget the very reason that we're here. We replace the important things with urgent things. And it's almost as if the Lord gives us this story to say... Go back and look at the important things again. And just because something seems like it needs attention today, maybe there's something more important that needs attention today. Maybe there's something that deals with your soul or the souls of those that you know that's so much more important. And maybe at the moment it doesn't seem nearly is urgent. Can you imagine the apostles' faces when they saw that? I can't really imagine what it would be like to walk out of that town. To walk out with Jesus and try to digest. Did we just do the right thing? Can really the Son of God walk away from people that are hurting physically? Do we struggle with seeing which is most important? There were other cities that were dying spiritually. Which is more important? Reaching more cities 
with the spiritual truth or setting up shop and becoming a physical doctor in one location. Well, now it starts looking a little different. But how many things in our life would look different if we would see the value of souls even more important than we would see our physical health? Be turning, if you will, to Acts, the sixth chapter. Peter, the other apostles, they would have no doubt remembered this occasion. They would have surely grown from this experience. They probably became more focused people. And you can't help but think that maybe a part of what they learned at that occasion or occasions like that is what we see lived out in Acts the 6th chapter. You remember at the beginning in verse 1 that the church was growing and it created growing pains? That's always going to happen in any growing church. It's not bad. It's a reality. And so what are we going to do? There were widows that were being neglected with the daily distributions. Notice what happens in verse 2. The twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said... It is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Notice again verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. They learned that from their Lord. They knew what their purpose was. And they were not going to leave their purpose. You look at the apostles and say, you can't take the time to feed some widows. And they said, no, we can't because that's not our purpose. The only way we could feed widows would be to neglect what God gave us the purpose to do. And as apostles, God gave us the purpose to have a ministry of prayer and of the word. Friends, we see a group that's focused. We see a group that understands their purpose. And they found seven other men that agreed to make taking care of the widows their purpose. And the result that we read about in verse 7 is that the word multiplied and the disciples multiplied and even some of the Jews were converted, the priests. If I understand this model here in Acts 6 correctly, when everybody understands their purpose and they remain committed to that purpose, the church is able to accomplish the greatest good. Churches fail to accomplish the good whenever they expect the preacher to be something that would cause him to sacrifice being the preacher. Or when the church expects the elders to do and become something that would cause them to sacrifice ceasing to be the elders. Or when we would expect deacons to neglect their area to go over and to serve another area when this area is their purpose, it's their focus. Or perhaps when every member just does a little here and a little there and really isn't committed to anything. What if every member finds their place and they become focused and that is their purpose? If you've been here more than a day, you know that there's more that takes place in the life of this church than any one or even five people could take part in. 
We need to do all the good we can do. But friends, tonight I want to urge you, if you haven't become focused in a certain ministry, and if that ministry in serving God hasn't become your purpose, you're going to whittle your life down to the end and find out that you really haven't accomplished a whole lot except just doing some good along the way. What's your vision? Nehemiah could see a wall completed before he ever even made it back to Jerusalem. Jesus could see the cities in Galilee reached before he ever went to those cities as he was saying goodbye to people that were standing there wanting healing. The apostles could see widows having their needs fulfilled without them ever leaving their responsibility. Husbands and wives, mamas and daddies, children, grandfathers, grandmothers, we all have places. Are we fulfilling them? Christians, every one of us have places in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 and 18, are we fulfilling them? Let's make sure we give our all. We give our best giving our all. And we can only give our best if we're focused on it. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, what a rich blessing you're missing out of being a part of the family of God. If you've never been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, wouldn't tonight be a wonderful time to repent, confess before man, and be baptized into Christ? Maybe you've been baptized into Christ and somewhere along the way you've lost the way. It's so easy to lose our focus. Tonight would be a wonderful time to focus again. To see clearly what God wants you to become. If you need to repent and confess sins, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand.